Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast according to Captain Ron's record. And today we have Guy Fieri. Welcome. Oh, what? And- <laughs> yes, his, uh, he has a very special hat that he, he has been wearing as of lately. Um, and I really dig it. But in actuality, this is Captain Ron. Say hello, Captain Ron. Hey, it's Captain Ron here. Yes, yes, yes. And a very special guest, my mother, Ronette Coleman. Hello, everyone. Yes. Oh, on the the pirate ship Pinata, she's known as the Empress of Yorba Linda. Ah, the Empress of Yorba Linda. Yes. Yes, note that in your brains. All right, so today we um, asked Ronette, my mother, to pick out an album that uh, reminded her of her childhood. So today she picked out Bette Midler's uh, The Divine Miss M album. And for those of you who aren't watching that is it the album cover is this lovely lovely beautiful woman with uh some awesome eyeshadow and blush and lipstick that's and bet cool stuff wild bet wild bet yeah. all right so why did you pick this album mom well dad took me to one of her concerts and uh she was quite outrageous so uh made yes. me laugh and uh it was very entertaining mm-hmm. very nice so, very nice loved it. do you recall that Oh, hell yes, I recall it. <laughs> uh, her, her backup singers are called the Harlettes. So, of course, yeah. Mm, amazing, amazing. Oh, she was, she, was, uh, she was not only a singer, but she told stories. She told stories about uh, oh, uh, old-style uh, old movie stars uh, that uh, uh, were kind of bawdy because that was her persona. She was a real body, buxom woman who didn't mind flashing it around. So Bette was always a great performer. Very body positive. Yes, she body. was. She was just uh, uh, relentless. She just came out there and just went for it. So we had a good time. I think it was at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles where we went. Mm. Yeah, so that was the first concert that I took Ronette to. I don't know, you must have been about 10, 12 years old, I don't know. Yeah, probably around that. Yeah, you were just a young girl. Yeah. Yeah, even before you were a teenager. And she could work the stage big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She'd that, go back and forth. And the whole stage was hers. And yeah. Call her in. Yeah. Oh, and, and well, I guess the, the joke she told was Sophie Tucker. That was one of her personas. If you ever get a chance on YouTube, look up Sophie Tucker and uh, check out some of her stuff. She was the body woman that Bette Midler kind of uh, portrayed. Well, if you look up Sophie Tucker now, Sophie Tucker is uh, a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the original yeah. Sophie Tucker, not the new style Sophie Tucker who took the name, mm-hmm. just like Bed Midler took her name. Sophie was the original. I see. So look up your history, Sophie Tucker. <laughs> Sophie and, Tucker, everybody. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to say, so this podcast is the unedited, unfiltered, pure and real take from the perspective of Captain Ron and, of course, for this episode, as well as Ronna Coleman's perspective. So, um, with that, how much would you say that music influenced your relationship? Oh, a ton. A ton. I mean, it's, that's how I really uh, got to love music. Before, I, I couldn't care less, but the, as I grew older, every time we'd go on our car um, ride or... Um, a little adventure. We'd always be playing music, and Dad, of course, would do his, um, you know, playlists. You know, way back when we had the eight tracks, mm. and then to the cassettes and so forth. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think of Dad. I can't think of music without thinking of Dad. 
that's amazing. I and can't think of you? music without thinking of me either. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how, how humble of you. Uh, yes, I know. Mm. But it's hard to be humble when you're perfect <laughs> in every way. I know. Yeah. What was my line? Alrighty. So, um, I do have to say, let me just scratch out. We got a little makeup right over there. Get um, it off, girl. I don't know what our daughter's for. Yes. Yes. That's what we do. Um, okay. So, on that note, um, so he would always take you to concerts and things like that. Um, what is, like, do you consider you both to have a song together mm. of sorts? I don't think so. No? Hundreds. Yeah. There's okay. just Hundreds. too many. There's not, like, anything specific that comes to mind other than this, like, album? Uh, no, because uh, Dad was always mixing up his music, so we didn't, like, listen to the same stuff over and over and over again. It was always new stuff. So the only time I really uh, would repeat a lot of it is when he'd give me the, the soundtracks, and then I'd take mm -hmm. them home and play them in my car and my, you know, at my home. Yeah. So, but together, it's, like, always something new, because he was always making new tracks. Right, right Dad? Yep. Always new music. Um, I never got <clears throat> stuck in one genre or one uh, frame of time. Uh, as the time marched on, so did I. So every new music that came out, I listened to. And uh, even now, on Mondays and Fridays, is still my new music days. So I only listen to new music on Mondays and Fridays. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Or I always listen to new music, Mondays and Fridays. On the rest of the week, I'm arranging music, doing different things. Sure. So disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Well, I think I explained that. I think I love that. I think I explained that at one of the earlier uh, meetings I that think we did. Uh, when yeah. you work with so many pieces of data, and music is data to me, when you work with so, such huge amounts of data, if you don't get organized and structure how you, how you look at it, how you save it, how you index it, uh, you lose track of it. So when you have thousands and thousands of, of music uh, files, you have to organize them. And when you listen to so much music, you also have to listen to it in a structured way so that you can save and, uh, and index things as you listen. So th those are the skills that I've developed over the years. Uh, so I don't just listen to music I casually. I listen to music and sort and, and uh, uh, make decisions on it as I'm listening and add it to my collection and uh, index it. Can you hear me, Julian? Sorry, my, um, my mic, I think, died. Did your mic die? I can hear I think you. it died. Oh, yeah. Well, that cool? <laughs> I can, I can right. hear you through them. Okay. Oh, yeah, it died. Yeah, okay. okay, technical difficulties. We're just going to cut for a sec. Wow, it's like we never even left. Technical difficulties. Ah. <laughs> Taking care of. So, uh, long story short, the mic is needing to charge, yeah. and we are just going to have me project um, into these two lovely lavalier mics. So, hopefully, you can hear me you the whole time. Um, I came from theater. I can do this. Sure. Uh, back to my roots. Okay, so back to where we were. Where were we? Oh, I've got <laughs> oxygen now because I had to run around to try to solve the technical difficulty. Indeed. And I got winded. Yes. So I'm just taking a little oxygen. So I'm taking a breather. So, uh, uh, Ronette, take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we'll go from, uh, okay, we were talking about music and we are talking about if you had a song and you said, no, there's not like one particular song. Um, but what, if, if let's say you're away from, from your dad, um, for a long while. Is there a particular song that you like to listen to that makes you immediately think of him? 
Um, no, but um, some of the artists are like uh, Jackson Brown and um, James Taylor, um, Linda Ronstadt, the Beatles, of course. Yeah, there's a ton. Peter Frampton, did I say that one? Yeah. Yeah, Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton. Yeah. <clears throat> so I would hear it first from him, and that would expose me to it, and then I would go and seek out their music, their albums and stuff. So now you listen to Pandora, and what do you listen to on Pandora? Mainly I'll, I'll type in Jackson Brown, and then it starts yeah. mixing it around. <laughs> I'm still there. That's still my favorite genre. But I think it's because it's my fondest memories, you know, when yeah. I was growing up in our road trips. Yeah. So I'm not uh, much into exploring new things, new music like that is. <laughs> so I get it from him, not from you. Got you. Um, yes. yes, exactly. When so going back to the road trip part, how often would you take road trips with each other? Well, summertime. Uh, yeah. On um, well, on every the, summer. Yes, absolutely. A few times. Okay. Yeah. And then for weekends, we'd like venture up into the mountains and do bird watching and uh, have a picnic or. Just local stuff. Go on those adventures like you would take us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. I always love that. Yeah. Just, I, I, I'm a lover of nature. So I always visit, uh, I think I told you in the last ones, as I travel around the country, I visited all of the national monuments, mm -hmm. uh, all of the battlegrounds from the Civil War. Uh, I, I did all of that because I, I had a love of history and of the country, the land itself, and the beauty of the land. So I always went places we went camping a lot to yosemite and uh the giant forest and um uh, to uh devil's post pile mm. so we used to go in the summertime with uh, different families mostly our family uh and go camping joint camping where we all went at the same time and met at the same campgrounds and then we'd eat together and we'd have parties and sing songs and uh, so it was a regular part of our family life yeah, mm. yeah. and we then hiking and yeah, hiking and visiting the falls. and So I have a lot of pictures of Ronette and uh, my nieces and nephews growing up uh, at places like Devil's Postpile and Yosemite. So we always look back and we laugh at those things. Because some, sometimes those pictures of the kids are like this. Oh, I've seen them. <laughs> and it's accurate. Ronette was little, she was cold. And then it was always nice to see the hairdos that she had during those years. You know, it changed. I might be... Uh... For those of you who are listening and not watching, I might be putting in a little picture, a little flash of one of these or a couple of these pictures over the audio uh -huh. of what we just talked about so that the visual audience can see. Um, but anywho, yeah, those pictures are so funny. And a lot of my siblings actually look back and they're like, I don't remember this picture of you, Kayla. And I'm like, because it wasn't me, it was mom. Mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I don't know if you can tell right now, but I'm essentially a carbon copy picture uh, spitting image I call of my mother. Mini me. Yeah. Little yeah, me. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. And some of my siblings don't believe that some of the old pictures of her are not me, but they are. Yeah. Um, and I always say, just look at the chin. We have different chins. I mean, that's how you can tell, honestly. You got more of a little dimple, a little dimple uh, on your chin, you and I don't. Yeah, yeah, I got the clap. dimple. Must have gotten that from my father, the lack of one. Um, anywho, so um, what would you say is your earliest memory of Captain Ron? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I, I think just on the weekends when we go, well, no, actually before that, over at the house in Whittier. Yeah. So uh, we would, uh, you know, just do family things and... Um, 
I don't know, just hang out mainly. That's I don't remember taking too many adventures back then when you and Mom were horseback married. riding. Oh, yeah. oh, then? Yeah, oh, yeah, there, I had pictures of you in the, in a little merry-go-round in the front yard with balloons on your head on your birthday, birthday party. The birthday party. I the do remember party. that. That is a great, great memory. We had that a clown, fun. hired a clown, yes, and he came out true. and he had a little merry-go-round uh -huh. that had little horses on it, you know, or as a carousel. Cute. And and all of the kids in the birthday party got turns riding around in a circle on this little merry-go-round that he brought with him. Were you wearing that, like, white, no, Oh, no, I'm just thinking of a picture of me. Oh, that was a dreaded shirt. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I thought it was my mom, but then, no, that one was actually me. Anyway, going back to that. Um, so what party, what birthday party was that? Like, what I, was, I think I was four. Four, probably mm. four years old. Yeah. But that's about at the time of your earliest memories. My earliest memories as a child are about at four years old. I can't really? remember. Yeah, I can't remember mm. much before that. Mm. Four year, about four years old. It was in late 19... 48, maybe 49, I remember events at that time, very few. The main one was when it snowed, in 1949 it snowed in Los Angeles, and I remember that. Wow. Because to a little kid, That's snow a falling deal. is a big deal That's in Los really Angeles. Yeah. Oh, especially in Los Angeles. It was a big deal to everybody yeah. back then, 1949. Was so, that the last, when was the last time it snowed in Los Angeles? It snowed at least once since then. Yeah, when the cold oh, wave yeah. came down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's snowed a few times. Snow here before. It's rare. Though. I've seen the hail here in Yorba Linda before, but not snow. I think so. No, mm. no, <laughs> definitely not. Check with I the weather, my, my first uh, memory weatherman. of snow was up in Lake Arrowhead, um, and I don't even know where we were, but we were somewhere in Lake Arrowhead, and it was snowing, and I was like, "Oh, so this is what it's like. Let me eat it." Why can't I taste anything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Um, so then... Um, my earliest memory when I was a kid, my very, very first early memory, was I was in the crib at Grandma Mercy's house, mm -hmm. and I was crying, and I wanted out, and nobody would come to get me. Of course. So I don't think you were home, Dad, because you would have come to get I me. I would have come to get you, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was probably in Vietnam. I then. think you were in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were just about two years old. <clears throat> two or three. Do you, so if that's your earliest memory, then when did you first start to like remember your dad around? Um, in the Whittier house? Yeah. Yeah. So, so after I got back from Vietnam. That? Mm -hmm. you know, 1966. And remind me of how long you were away from her while you were stationed out there? A year. A year? Oh, okay. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then when. He was like out doing, you know, soldierly things. Um, what would you and your mom do? Well, that's that? the time, my period. I don't remember. I was too little. She was too little. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I have pictures of her in the little, uh, little round pool in the backyard. You know, the little uh, air, air, the air pools. Yeah. Little small one in her in the pools. So that's the age she was at, sitting mm -hmm. in the water, uh, and less than two years old. Yeah. Or sitting on top of the dining room table with Grandma there, uh, holding her. You know, I don't remember I, that. I do. And I've got the pictures. You know how everyone looks at those old dinette sets that were kind of like uh, uh, for Mike on top, and then they had the chrome legs on them? Everybody had a dining room set like that, <laughs> yeah. right, back then? Old dining room sets. And uh, Grandma was sitting at the set, and uh, Ronette had a little towel around her head. Drying I remember off her. a picture of that. Yes, <laughs> yes, with her with a little towel around her head, drying after she took a bath, mm -hmm. sitting on the table, you know, with Grandma holding her up. So that's, <laughs> that's a, one of the earliest pictures of her. 
Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Well, I got to tell I got I got to tell dirt on her too. Oh, oh, we will get to that. Don't oh, okay. you well, worry. Let me, let me Don't know, you worry. I'm, I got the goods. All right. Um, well, I want to hear some of the other ways that that Captain Ron has influenced you throughout your life. Um, honestly, I think uh, just exposing me to nature. I mean, that's the, one of my fondest things, and it's made me want to re-experience them with you, Kiss. Like, remember mm-hmm. we went back up to Yosemite mm-hmm. and had a family trip, and yeah. um, I think everybody had a really good time and. Yeah. That was great fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And the kids built an Indian village. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was fun. They all thought they were Indians for a while. Yeah. So and I would try to go and recreate. You don't remember that, Kayla? No. No. I. You were probably no. upstairs sticking Ronnie in the couch. At the oh. <laughs> probably. Like if you can visualize this, you know those couches that fold out and then they fold back up into a couch, and if you are. You can. You, a lot of people put pillows and blankets in there and fold them up in the couch. Well, the kids put Ronnie, little Ronnie, my grandson, inside the couch and then folded him up in it and then sat down on him. Oh, how he tormented Freaked him. Freaked him out. Yeah. Poor him. Guy. He was okay, don't you worry. Yeah. He was totally fine. He survived. Yes. But he's still scarred. Traumatized. Traumatized. Yes, yeah. yes. I personally don't necessarily remember being actively involved in that memory. I don't think you were. I exa- uh, Okay, see, I wasn't horrible. I, don't think you were. I you were too a young. horrible yeah. child. It was the older brothers that did it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the mean ones. But I do have pictures of you pretending you were an Indian. Yes, yes. Pretending. Yes. Yeah, sure. And we did, <laughs> we did rock climbing and going to the waterfalls and playing in the river. I remember I got pictures of you all at the Merced River. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I think I was wearing white pants. Who let me wear white pants going into a river? Nobody told you oh, how well, to wear we it. we have bleach. <laughs> That's not... Never mind. Miss <laughs> 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 Yaya knows how to wash dirt out of, out of uh, white stuff. I'm recovering. Sure, I taught her. Sure, sure. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, uh, so then, um, oh, I had another really good question. Okay, so yeah, aside from like nature um, and music, how else did he influence you? Um, honestly, it's uh, he instilled the value of family mm-hmm. and to keep everybody together and to have uh, invite extended family so that we, everybody gets to know each other and just stays close. Yeah. So that's always uh, been important to me, and so it's. Uh, you know, I got that from dad, you know, and uh, a little bit on my mom's side, but the family wasn't so large. Mm-hmm. So everybody used to go to my grandma Mercy's for Sunday dinner, and that's just what we'd all do. And then they ended up moving away, and so I didn't have that so much with uh, my mom's side of the family. Right. Um, when you were growing up, did what was that experience like growing up with your dad? Did you guys get into a lot of arguments? Was it more cohesive and loving? What kind of um, experience was that? I didn't really get in arguments with anybody. I mean, we always got along well. Um, he, you know, I spent every, after uh, my mom and he got a divorce, we would um, go, he'd pick me up every other weekend and we'd go on our little adventures and whatever he was doing, we'd go to dinner or go have fun, get ice cream, uh, go shopping, uh, whatever. Whatever uh, was on the schedule that weekend. He'd take me into his work sometimes and, you know, show me around. So I thought that was cool. Showed me those big, huge computers. Yeah. That was crazy. What, at IBM? Yeah, with mm, IBM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the divorce. What was that experience like for you? Um, you know, it, they, they were always friends. They yeah. were really, really good friends. And so, other than the fact that we weren't all living in the same house, 
anymore. Um, there wasn't any arguing ever that I can remember. Maybe oh, you guys did. Only one. Oh, there's one. No, there was one argument there was I remember. One. There was one. It was raining, and the barbecue was outside, and Mom wanted you to bring it in. And you said, no, it'll be okay out there. And so finally, she started going to get it, and I think you uh, went downstairs after her something, and I just heard some yelling, and I'm like, I went and hid behind the bolt, the banisters. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time I remember you arguing. Oh. But it's when you were married. So, okay. but no, yeah, they had a, a civil, very, very civil divorce. Mm. Yeah, like, much like uh, my first divorce. <laughs> so Justin's father and I, we just, you know, everything was calm, and we we're uh, still friends after that. Yeah, nobody was angry yeah. about it. Yeah. There was no reason to be angry. Just yeah. wasn't the right fit, right? Yeah. Yeah. As so it happens. everything was very civil, and nice. loving actually. Yeah. That's great. That's a very um, a, a, the best I think experience you can get from parents divorcing. Um, so okay. with that said, what I, I want to dig up some dirt on on this uh, one here. So, there's, none. Uh, there's none. Oh, I remember, man. She ratted me out. Bad. No, that's not what I've heard. <laughs> no, she ratted me out. Good time. Oh, what, hey, oh, it was awful. What was that? Was dirt on you, not me? Uh, Ronette had come to visit one weekend, and we had a nice time and everything. But I just happened to be smoking some grass that weekend. I'm a goody two shoes. She's, yes, oh, she's, oh, I know. Yeah, so I'd been smoking some grass that weekend. And then when Ronette left the house to go back to, to her mom's, I cautioned her, don't tell your mom that I've been smoking grass. <laughs> so what did she do? She told her mom that I was smoking grass with her in the house. So, oh my God. Wow, you parented the parent. So her mom exactly got in the car drove over to our place on my front door and was chewing me up one side and down. That poor little Ronette, like. <laughs> I think I had to go back with mom. Yeah, mm. yeah. And now what was your, tell your telling of the story, because you said that's not exactly how it happened. Well, I had, I had a stepsister and brother, and so I was on the phone while they were having their little gathering, and I was talking to Tara. And uh, I remember we were whispering, well, what's going on? I don't know. This smells funny. You know, something smells funny. I don't know what it is. They're smoking something and it smells really funny. So that's, it was a little bit innocent. I wasn't like, I didn't know. I was, I was you young. You don't know what you don't know. I was young. I think the story's better that she ratted me out. I think that's well, a better that's story. I think so too. That's a better story, no? See, that's, that's <clears> a really <throat> important thing that you just said. It's perspective. Everybody has... Absolutely. perspectives of everything um, I was reading I think Michael Kostroff said it in his audition psych 101 book about like everything happens um, and it there's there's the, the perspective that you take from whatever happens and there's what actually happened um, and it's all about perspective Absolutely. and there are always two sometimes three sides of a story um, beauty no, no, is in the eyes of the beholder there's the truth and then everybody else's truth. perspective is different than the actual truth. Yeah. 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 Like she ratted me out for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, that's 100% what happened. I, and those kind of stuff happens, you know, with your kids like that. I, I can do nothing but laugh about it. I can see the humor in it, you know. Yeah. I know she didn't do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. and so, But it was funny anyway. I didn't, I didn't get mad at you, but it, <laughs> no, it was funny didn't. more than anything else. Yeah. So that's the time that she ratted you out, but what is some dirt that you can dig up on her? Oh, 
the time when your mom came to visit me in Silicon Valley and to tell me that she was no longer a virgin. <laughs> and those of you who are wa- or who are listening and not watching, I'm not gonna tell you when it was. Uh, um, yeah. Yes. When was, when was that, Ronette? Oh, I visit him so many times. Yeah. I I can't remember. Uh huh. Sure. 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 I, I think it happened when I was I was treating her like the little princess daughter. Uh, th- that she was to me, and then uh, she came out with uh, something like, "Well, Dad, you don't think that I'm still a virgin, are you? Do you?" Something like that. He says, "Oh, you're not." She says, "No." So I said, "Good, let's get out champagne." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got out champagne. We celebrated, and we celebrated that she was no longer a virgin. So we all had a good time. And then he probably called my mom. No. <laughs> no, I wasn't that stupid. Jesus. No, I didn't tell your mom. So you told your dad before you told your mom that you weren't a virgin. Well, yeah, it was safer to tell him. Oh, interesting. Uh, judging by my response, I'd say that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so was your mom kind of a hard ass then? Um, no. I mean, she used to want to be a nun. So, oh. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't really know much about your I mom know. because she was. I was so young you when were, she. You she was very away. religious. Yes. Oh, I know where she gets it from now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why we didn't last. Yeah. <laughs> Could be that. I was, I was on God's bad side. <laughs> you know. No, Dad, you're still on God's good side. Am I? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had a chat with him this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Our chapel's always filled with her. She's always down <laughs> at the chapel on the piñata. Mm, got you. <clears throat> yeah, Empress. You, yeah, Empress Ronette. If we ever can't find her around the piñata, we just go in the chapel and there she is, you know, praying to God. So. Probably. Yeah, she's on first name terms with God. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. this is truth. Now, since we, mm, dare I play devil's advocate, since we brought up God, shall we dive into some stuff that you never told Captain Ron <gasps> that happened, maybe? When, mm-hmm. did you ever like, I don't know if you could get away with this, but you, did you ever tell your mom that you were going to stay at your dad's and tell your dad that you were going to go stay at your mom's or something and sneak out or anything like that? You never snuck out? Oh, no, I snuck out. Oh, okay. So there we go. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell either one of them. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and now, how often would you sneak out? Oh, not very often. No. But not very often. Once in a while. <laughs> and once in a while. Yeah. And, and what was the reason? Let's <laughs> yes. share the reason yes. you snuck out with us. Oh, because I had puppy love. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and what was that experience like? Oh, it was oh. fun. We were just yeah, we were just hanging out. Oh, just just hanging out, not not doing any funny business or anything. Well, does kissing count? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> Okay, so um, what what other uh, trouble would you get into? I know you're more of a goody two shoes, but did you ever do anything that was more, I don't know, uh, not scheming? But what's what's the word that I'm looking for? Naughty. Yeah, yeah I was naughty. <laughs> naughty. I was naughty. Uh, okay, I'll yes. tell you the time I was the most naughty. Okay. So and I was young. And was, how young? I was seventh grade. Oh, okay. Okay, I was maybe eighth. I think I was in seventh grade. And I got straight A's all the time. And I thought school was super, super boring. So I'm like, that's a waste of my time. So I'd stay home and I saw Papu drinking some vodka. That's what he used to like to drink. So I thought I'd sample it. 
And so I was sampling it and sampling it, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And then, I don't know, that was kind of boring too. But I, I literally cut class like a couple days, and then I got sick, and then the school called. Yeah, so because I was too many, too many days, days in, a, days in row. a row. Yeah. So yeah. that was about the naughtiest. Wow. I know, I'm pretty boring. Yeah, a little bit. But that's okay. You did some fun stuff, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right, and then what about you? Did you ever know something that she did but never told her that you knew? No. She was always the princess, and she was always the angel child. Mm. So... Uh, Ronette was goody two-shoes, the real deal. So she very rarely ever did anything out of character, and if she did, it was pretty innocent stuff. That's what I know of her. And to this day, she's still a princess. Actually, she's graduated. She was a queen for a while. Mm. She's now the empress. Mm. So, you know, she just, she gets ahead. What can I say? She's so earned I'll, it all. I'll tell you a story. I don't know if she ever told you this, but I'll tell you a story oh, to, to show how much of a goody two-shoes she is. So um, when uh, you were first starting to like, I guess maybe not first starting to like, uh, your fingers were hurting and you wanted more medicinal marijuana oh, or yeah. something. Um, and I had a medical marijuana card at the time. And so my mom asked me, she was like, she didn't know I had one, but she was like, so do you, she, she was talking with, uh, with one of her friends on the couch and they were whispering and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, do you, do you have any marijuana? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, I know you smoke. And I'm like, I carefully calculated the situation. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. I have a little bit left. Why? And she was like, because grandpa needs some and he's just, he's really in pain right now and he needs some. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll be right back. I go upstairs, grab this, like the tiniest little nug that I have left. Um, and I bring it downstairs in this little box that I would keep it in. And I open it up and she's like, what is that? And I'm like, that, that's weed, mom. And she was like, you can you can you can smoke that i was like yes you can smoke that and she was like how and then i try to pick it up and she's like no don't touch it <laughs> i'm like what do you think i'm gonna do with it so just to show she didn't even really know what we looked like so hey, you know it's nice having the grandkids around the house because occasionally i find their stash yeah. and so i get my, I, I find their stash oh and then i take it into my room oh my gosh. <laughs> So I get free grass. And, mm -hmm. you know, I still have a little bit left the last time Ronnie was here. <laughs> That's my younger brother. Um, One time yeah. you were visiting, I think, at Mahogany, and you must have left it behind or something. In the freezer? And, and, no, was it in the freezer? I thought it just wasn't. So I went and I hid it in the back, the back of the freezer. In you the know, freezer? Yes, to keep it fresh. Really? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I guess and, so. It's a plant. But I've never thought about it that Later, way. when we moved, I went to go look for it again, or next time you came back, and it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wonder know. what happened to it. I don't it. know. Someone don't took know. it. Mm -mm. Don't yeah, know. it just must have e evaporated into the air. <laughs> yes, there was always some somewhere, some hiding someplace in the house that was a little bit of weed. Mm. Always, yeah. That was the first time I said you got, got me in trouble with your mom, was all about weed. Well, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. 
speaking of hiding things, did you ever find anything of his that you were like, oh my God, or oh no, or oh, I'm mortified? No. No? Mm. No. Good thing. I was good at hiding I've stuff. <laughs> you had your hiding places. I've only found one thing that I was, and it wasn't dad's, that I was like, oh my gosh, I caught them. It was with your big brother, Justin. <gasps> oh. Mm-hmm. He oh. had something really hidden, some magazines. Oh. I won't oh. say which ones, okay? And I just you can kinda, use your imagination. I just kind of left them there. And so one day he says, Mom, you think, you think you know everything. I said, you know, you don't know. I've done so much more stuff than you know about. <laughs> I said, actually, no, I, know. I pick my battles. I just don't bring everything up to you. She goes, really, really, what? I'm like, you know, I did find some magazines. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> You so. snoop. You, you definitely I wasn't, snoop. I wasn't snooping, actually. You can't live in a house with someone yeah. and not run across their stuff. Oh, you know, Kids are so... Yeah. Uh, the thing that amazed me about the kids when they were growing up is, is two adults live in the house. When two people live in a house and someone comes to visit, in your house, you know where everything is. Mm-hmm. When somebody, something is moved, you say, well, why is that over there? I, I never put that over there. Did you put that over there? So anytime a child or someone comes to visit the house, anything they touch and move or look at, you know. So they don't get that, you know. So in a house, uh, it doesn't matter. You know your house well enough that it rings a bell in your head when something's not where it should be. Mm. So kids don't know that. Uh, they, haven't got, they haven't got rid of their lizard brain yet. So they don't understand that concept of people actually do know when things move. You know? So uh, that was always fun. Uh, especially with the kids growing up who are denying, oh no, we never did that. I said, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. And you know everything, but mm-hmm. they don't know you know. Mm-hmm. They never do. And then they don't know that you know that they know that you know. Yeah. Something they, like that. They, have, they haven't got a clue. They haven't got a clue. Mm. You too, by the way. Huh? You too. What <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>, now? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Your lizard um, brain hasn't. Uh, Outgrown you. You're just outgrowing it now, though, I think. How old are you now? Uh, how old do you think I am? Uh, 25? No. 24? Final answer? 23. <laughs> almost there. There you yeah. go. 22? I'm almost 23. Yeah. Okay, and there you go. she'll be 23. Yes, indeed. indeed. I don't know. But out of all the kids, she's been the most responsible, much like me. So. Very much so. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, I, I remember when we came back to live in the Mahogany Circle. We came back to stay with you on Mahogany Circle. The first run-in I had with Kayla, right, was I was at home, and uh, she came in one day. She walked right up to me and looked at me, and I says, You're parked in my parking spot. <laughs> that, was, yeah, that, was my, that. that was my really nice granddaughter. As, as It just walked up to me and chewed me out because I was parked in her spot. And I said, ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't see your name on it, <laughs> you know. So it was other spots. It wasn't like I took all the spots. You know, I got my stubbornness from you. Uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. No, we oh. didn't spend that much time together. You can't blame me. Mm. You can't blame me for that. Then who did I get it from? I I'm, name not, I'm not too stubborn. Oh. No comment. I've heard it all. <laughs> uh, Justin is the most stubborn. Your older yes. brother taught you. He taught yes. you. Yeah. It was Justin. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
But I didn't spend that much time with Justin either, uh, though. <clears throat> no, because he was already at, off yeah. the college. And yeah. I was more stubborn when I was young, but as you grow older, you learn to uh, say, I'm sorry, or acknowledge when people notice things about you that you don't see, because people see you through their own eyes, not yours. So mm -hmm. uh, you, when you finally get old enough and mature enough, if you ever do, uh, you begin to recognize and acknowledge other people's opinions and views of you. Uh, and so you start to take that into your brain to say, oh, okay, that affects people this way. So you, you begin to change gradually over time. So you become less stubborn or the, the qualities about a person that make them unpalatable to other people usually come out and, and cause you to change or You're isolated. you wind up being an asshole. What can I say? That's exactly, you turn into an asshole if you don't pay attention to the things you do that annoy people or piss people off. Yeah. You know? And your attitudes, you know, you have to be able to say, oh, well, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, and Justin has a difficult time saying, I'm sorry. Oh, you yeah. Know? I oh. bet I've heard it a handful. I should ask Sogol. She ever heard those words from him? Hmm. Yeah, Sogol's uh, my oldest brother's yeah. wife. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Some people never learn to say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's simple. It is. It's very simple. It's healing, too. Yeah. 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 Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, going into... Now that we've in entered the I'm sorry realm, is there anything that comes to mind that you never apologize to your dad about that you've always felt this like ling a lingering guilt or something like that or vice versa that you did that you never apologized to Ronette about that you felt a lingering guilt over? Uh, anything that comes to mind? No, I think the talks I've had with Ronette have been honest and frank over my life and even recently I've talked to her and told her exactly how I feel and uh, my basic feeling is that as a parent growing up I did everything I knew how to do and I kind of looked at my mom in the same way uh, learning from her that uh, she had good points and she had bad points she did some things that were wonderful she did things that were awful but when I look at her as a person she did what she could she did her best I never doubted that my mother didn't care and try and, and within the, the means that she had, she did her best. And I looked at my life, I looked back on my life, and I said, given the circumstances of my life, I was always true to that. I did what I could. You know? So sometimes I could do more, sometimes not. But I did what I could and uh, tried to stay true to that. So I don't look back now and say, I regret I didn't do this or didn't do that, because realistically, I couldn't have done it. Right. If I could have, I would have. So I did the best I could. So I felt that that's all you owe to your kids. You do the best you can. You know, yeah. you help them. You tell them the truth. You don't lie, and, and uh, you know, treat them with respect. Except when it's about smoking dope. I didn't lie. <laughs> I didn't lie. Just omit the truth. <laughs> I, I did not lie to my daughter. No. No, I shared my life with her, and it just she had to accept me the way I was. Yeah. I accepted her the way she was. Mm -hmm. Goody two shoes and all. <laughs> Well, you give me a bad time about uh, my God thing, though. God thing? No, I don't give you a bad time. <laughs> no, my, my philosophy is, I told my kids, uh, uh, I'm an atheist. Mm -hmm. So th there's no God in my mind. So I tell my kids, I don't believe in God. But I also tell them, you are free to believe in God and follow your heart yep. in any way you can. Uh, the only thing I judge you by then is whether or not you... Uh, have good values. Mm -hmm. Do you love your neighbor? Do you care about other people? Are you kind? Those are the things I look yeah, for. Morals. Now you can tell me I do it because God told me. I said, well, that's fine. Or you can look at me and say, I do it because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's fine too. So I never told my kids don't believe in God. I told them I don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. And I tell you 
that because it's important to be honest with your kids and, and tell them how who you are. Well, that and also to, in a sense, prepare them for the rest of the world because it's like not every single person is going to believe in God or a single God or <clears throat> have the same religion as you and you have to learn to like love everybody the way they are and respect everybody's viewpoints in that kind of realm. Yeah, basically there's yeah. good people who believe in God. There's good people who don't believe in God. Exactly, you yeah. Know? And some people who, who are fervent <laughs> believers in God don't think anyone that hasn't found Jesus is is right in the head. So yeah. there's that conflict a lot of times with, mm -hmm. with fundamentalist uh, religious people yes. who are... Uh, the difference between fundamentalists and just people who practice their faith, the fundamentalists try to convert. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called evangelicals. Yeah. They try to make you be what they want you to be and there's there in where is they a strife force their religion down your throat in a sense yes in many ways in their yeah. thinking a good thing. in their yeah. thinking and that's in their thinking they're gonna save them yeah mm -hmm. many times they're they're thinking there's something wrong with you that yeah. they, they like i said they need to save you yeah. because and why would they want to save you because you're wrong yeah. so they're, they're operating from that perspective uh i learned that from the amish amish are not evangelical i lived among the amish for a few years maybe about 10 years, and yeah. th they're not evangelicals. They believe in their faith, but they don't tell you that you should believe the way they do. Mm -hmm. they, they leave you alone. They respect the way you they res live. Yes, yeah. they respect other people, and they want other people to respect them and their views. Exactly. And that's fine. We live in harmony. It's the, the evangelicals who say, oh, I have to save you. Yeah. <laughs> they, get into your, they get into your face. And, and, of course, it always gets back to the old saying, your right to swing your arm ends where your neighbor's nose begins. So uh, mm -hmm. you can believe what you want. Just don't, yeah. you know, push it on your neighbor. Exactly. It's, yeah. <clears throat> so that's what the Constitution is about. Mm -hmm. Freedom of religion and freedom of not religion is exactly. the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So in that boat, in the U.S., we're all equal. Um, I want to transition into, because I have about 15-ish minutes left, I want to transition into times that you may have had differences or you may have had longer periods of just not talking or times that you were hurt by each other and kind of see what's behind those memories and go through those and, I don't know. Take me through what kind of comes up when I'm, I'm talking about this. Um, I think Dad and I have always been close. Um, we've always accepted each other's differences, and, um, and I do the same with all my kids, and I learned that from him. Um, so there really hasn't been too many things. Um, I would say that this last, uh, this whole COVID period has been the most difficult times, you know, but uh, you're still family. You still love each other. So it doesn't matter, you know what the differences are. You know, I always told you kids, if one of you got landed in jail, I'm not gonna love you any more or less. I'm not gonna be unsupportive of you. What you did is wrong if you're found guilty, but um, it doesn't change how I feel about you and how I still want a relationship with you. So, yeah, I mean, it has been more difficult these last two years, but what you do is you come together and you're like, okay, you work it out and, you know, Dad, we're good, right? Yes. See? Yeah, my, my take on that is that uh, uh, the last couple of years, uh, the difficulties we've had have been more political than anything else. The country's going through a difficult political time and very divisive. Uh, the politics, uh, in my mind, the conservative politi politics have changed from monetary politics or mm -hmm. fiscal 
uh, responsibility, which is uh, taxes, uh, uh, how our money spent, uh, uh, in a conservative way, how we preserve things, uh, and it switched to uh, uh, social conservatism, which is a lot different than fiscal conservative. So, th in that in that transition, I have become uh, a more uh, less tolerant of the social uh, conservative movement, which is basically fundamentalist type. Uh, we're right, you're wrong. Uh, anti-Muslim, anti-gay, anti-black, anti-anti, you know, anti-books, you name it, there's a whole lot of conservative things that are going to have nothing to do with money and taxes and, 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 and running a good government. They have to do with, I, I don't like you the way you are. I'm okay, but you're not okay. You know, it's not okay to be the way you are. And that kind of politics is poison. Mm -hmm. It's like cancer. So when people get to feeling that, that they're going to tell you that you're wrong and, and you shouldn't live the way you live, because they don't like you that way. That's xenophobia. You're different yeah. than me, so you're something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So that has been a point of, of division in the last couple of years. Finding your way beyond that and getting back to family members who, who, sh who share different beliefs than you do is difficult because you've got to sort of let that go and say, what's more important, as Ronette was saying, the family or your politics or COVID, what's more important in the end? family is the most important. You have differences, but they're still the best part of your life is tied up in the relationship between you and the people who uh, you grew up with and who you love. That is the most important thing in life, your family and the relationships you have. Not only just family, but friends also. Yeah. So maintaining those relationships is what brings you uh, the joy in your life. I'm sitting here talking to you every week, uh, every other week, about my life, and what do we talk about? The things that have gone on with me and friends, mm -hmm. adventures I've had with people. Uh, those things are memories that last a lifetime. Yeah. Politics it just tears people apart. So it's been politics that have strained our relationship in the last two years. And uh, I have tried not to you really get into it, but to just let it go as much as I can. Um, the politics to me is always, I judge people on what the results are. If you believe in something and it's about yourself and, it, and it, it's only about you, well, I believe this for me, fine. But if you believe something and then you push it on someone else and you do harm to someone else because of your beliefs, you know, then that's when I start raising my hand and say, that's not right. It's okay if you believe that, but don't get other people to believe this because it's just, it hurts. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have beliefs that are harmful, and uh, I just, I can't agree with them, but I'm not, I don't want to spend the rest of my life uh, fighting with people over that's crazy <laughs> stuff. Life's too short. Yeah, life's too short, and it's crazy making, and there's a, truthfully, there's a lot of crazy people out there who uh, have never learned uh, how to do uh, critical thinking. Mm. or analyze situations and take in, consider all the facts yeah. and research and study to find out where the truth is. Yeah. From all walks of life and yeah. from both political parties. And yeah. It's a human yeah. nature. Yeah. It's a human nature. Not everybody grows up uh, to, uh, to, to be open to knowledge mm. in all its forms mm -hmm. and to seek it and con constantly seek knowledge. To, you hear something and you learn to recognize that doesn't ring true. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, things like people say it's too good to be true. Those are the little red flags in life that you learn about yeah. uh, when you hear things, you become accustomed to patterns where you say, oh, that's one of those too good to be true things. So therefore, the red flag goes up. And what do you do? You pay attention. You read. You study. And you learn. And you find out where the truth is.
Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't do that. They hear someone say something, and it's and like... they're like, oh, it's fact. Yeah. Well, right. The easiest example is one of my neighbors said, uh, the guy who lives down the street is a child molester. I don't know that he's a child molester, but I like my neighbor next door. And they said he is. So what do I do? I think, oh, that guy's a child molester. Well, that's how rumors start. That's yeah. how rumors start. And, and so, you, so if, if somebody told my neighbor was a child molester, if I wanted to have any dealings with them, I'd, I'd check it out and make sure that Research they were or they weren't. And, and give things. them the benefit of the doubt. Because people will lie. Mm-hmm. People will lie to you. Uh, not always out of uh, a spite or, or some evil intention. Uh, it's gossip. Mm-hmm. They... They can't help themselves. Yeah, there's something that's missing. There's a piece of information missing, and they they fill it in with something that they can imagine, and then they then they make it true in their minds. A funny story: when I lived in Missouri among the Amish, when we first moved there, we bought a house and blah blah blah, and we we were remodeling our house and and doing a bunch of things in town, and the people didn't know who we were, because everybody was a small town. Everybody knew everybody, but they didn't know us. So they started a rumor about us. We were, we were drug dealers from California who were coming in and uh, laundering our money in Missouri. So uh, that's the kind of thing that happens when people don't know. They, may, they need to fill that lack of knowledge with something so that they can understand. Mm-hmm. And that's human nature. And so we, had, we always laughed about it now that we were drug dealers from California <laughs> just because we bought some property and stuff. So... Uh, it took a long time for people to get to know us. Uh, in fact, the house we lived in, we bought a house there, was called the Richardson House, because for the last 40, 50 years, the, the Richardson family lived there and owned it. And everybody in town called it the Richardson House. So when we got there and moved in, they said, oh, you live in the Richardson House. So that went on for almost five years wow. before they began to accept it as our house. <clears throat> and then it became known, we called it the Arbor House. Yeah. So then people started calling it the Arbor House. And now it's still the Arbor House. Mm-hmm. But that's just how people you know, uh, 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 try to fill in the blanks. It's the, the uh, gossip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was funny. We, we were drug dealers for a while. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Okay, that's, that's, that's the best kind of drug dealer to be. <clears throat> yeah. An innocent one. Yeah, we laugh, yeah. We laugh heartily on that one. Yeah. All right, so now with the last 10 minutes of the episode, I want to talk about, you know, your disease and how you're feeling and uh, get my mom, Ronette's, um, thoughts and her take on everything that's kind of happening uh, right now. But let's start off with how, how you're feeling. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. This last week... I went to four different uh, doctor's appointments. Uh, back in December, I filed for VA uh, benefits for disability because I was in Vietnam during the Agent Orange era. Mm-hmm. And so um, my lung disease is one of the ones listed as a side effect of Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went and filed for VA disability. They're just now, in June, uh, b- asking me to go in for my VA uh, examinations to qualify me for disability. So that's what I was doing this week. Uh, four days I went to doctor's appointments this week. Uh, they took EKGs, all of that business, and more chest x-rays. But uh, what I found out is that uh, <clears throat> most of the problems I'm having right now are that my heartbeat uh, gets really fast in order to keep my body oxygenated. Mm. So even when I'm at, uh, uh, not using, when I'm sitting down and not using oxygen, um, uh, I'm okay, but if I start talking a lot and getting animated, then my 
heart starts beating faster to keep my oxygen up. So that's where I am right now. Um, this has been going on for about a month now. I've noticed that my heart rate uh, goes up pretty high. And I've got to watch that because when your heart rate gets mm -hmm. up to 115, 120, it's not good news. So, yeah. <clears throat> so that's what's been happening with me lately. Uh, my heart rate has been uh, jumping up a lot. And how's your mental health? I forget. Are you on antidepressants or no? Um, yeah. Uh, about three weeks ago, uh, Gail wanted me to get on antidepressants uh, to get started on them so that uh, I, I didn't feel depressed. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't noticed too much of a difference in my attitude. Uh, I haven't felt that I am depressed. I do a lot of stuff. Uh, and I, I'm not complaining. I'm not, I'm not lamenting that I, something isn't better. So I'm happy with the way things are. And we had a great party on the Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, we had it a little was, family reunion. Yeah, it was, it was a great, fun. fantastic uh, party. And I was able to, to see the family and meet everyone. And it was a great time. We're going to have another party. Fourth uh, of July. Fourth of July. Be there. Be square. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Fourth of July, we're going to have another party. So uh, get this issue out because, you know, people got to know. Yeah, got to know about the party. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a good time. And I posted pictures of the party. And it was just wonderful. Um, so I have been uh, loving the attention that I've been getting and the visitors that I've been getting from family members and others who've stopped by to visit me. And I enjoy those visits immensely. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking of stopping by and visiting, yeah, come on over. You know, we can sit and talk and uh, maybe have some ice cream or something, mm. something decadent. <laughs> A root beer float, maybe. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I know where I love my root beer floats from now. Yeah. We can do uh, that. <clears throat> cool. We have this technology. So uh, it's good to hear your progress and all that. I want to hear how you, Mom, have been dealing with his disease and this realization of the terminal illness that he has and all that jazz. Yeah, um, I, I've adjusted. I mean, at first, when I first learned about it, it was hard. Mm -hmm. But... Um, you know, I've been through a lot of loss. You yeah. know, I've lost my mom already, and um, the baby, and of course my grandparents, and uh, my, you know, Tom. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you find out something like this, I mean, it's one of the blessings out of it is like it, it uh, you, you realize you only have a limited amount of time. So I've been making it a point more to come back, you know, to California to spend more time. When I'm here, I've been trying to do like Friday night dinners, invite family, and um, you know, whoever can come, they, com they can come. But it ends up being a smaller group, which is, you know, more one-on-one -on -one time with Grandpa. Like last mm -hmm. night, Riley and Mel came. So it was Riley and Mel and Mr. Brown and I and Grandma and Grandpa. And yeah, yeah. So it's nice. And, uh, you know, I just try to spend more time here. And yeah. help, <clears throat> it also helped us get over the political mishmash that's been uh, uh, in family politics uh, in the last couple of years. So we're focusing back on uh, our human needs rather than political needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so coming back, uh, as your mom said, and having dinners, getting people together again as family. Uh, and just being people. And just, yes, yeah. is helpful. It's, yeah. it's helped yeah. a lot to, to, to get past the problems we were having in the last few political years. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to move beyond that. And that's important. Yeah. We're getting it done. Yeah. And then Grandma Gail, for Mother's Day, she went <clears> to go visit <throat> Brad, and they had a lovely, lovely yeah. trip. Yeah. Um, she loved that. They had a really nice time. But um, so I came back, and I was, you know, not, he isn't he taken care of. But yeah. I wanted to cook for him and make his life easier and spend time with him. So that mm -hmm. was a really, really nice time. Good. Spoil me. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad. Oh, that's so good. Um, I want to end on 
what is the biggest way that Captain Ron has inspired you throughout your life? I think the value, showing me the value of family, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's the most important thing. Yeah, and I got that because I grew up with cousins, lots of cousins, mm -hmm. and my cousins have been with me my whole life. Mm -hmm. it, not physically always, but in my head, the relationship I had with my cousins, who now are uh, doctors and uh, teachers and uh, you know, all different artists, that relationship I continue to have with my cousins is a wonderful thing. And I wanted the same thing for you and your siblings uh, to have relationships that last a lifetime. Yeah. Your cousins, you will have the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And as long as you've bonded when you were young, you will have that to fall back on. And they will always be your friends. Mm -hmm. And that's a lesson to learn. I think I went over there with you when you and Lucy were... Oh, yeah. And Lucy I said, and I hated each other. And yeah, I love but, each other. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I think I reminded you then, she is your cousin. Uh, and you need to understand the value that she brings here. Listen, listen, listen. I, was, I grew up with so many boys that when I was around a girl at that age, I was just not about it. Um, but now I've learned the value of women and you know being around other females and things like that um and yeah i cherish every human so yeah good for you yeah and now uh, what is the biggest way that ronette has inspired <clears throat> you <clears throat> well i think the overall the just the joy i've had in knowing that she's been a, a, a grown up well been a good girl been my princess and is living a good and healthy and prosperous life and most parents, that's what they want for their kids, to be healthy, not to be in jail, you know, and uh, uh, not to be sick. I mean, not, yeah. uh, you know, to have a nice uh, job or, yeah. or some kind of a, uh, career. So Ronette has met all of those expectations and, in fact, exceeded them. So th that brings me joy. Uh, and Eric also has met my expectations. So he is also up there in my, you know, bringing joy to me. So I never wanted my children to grow up and suffer or, or uh, be lonely or be, you know, have bad experiences. You, you want to always protect your kids. But, but Ronette's grown up to be a healthy, strong woman. I can ever ask for anything more. So I'm happy with that. Thank you, Dad. Love you. Love you, too. All right, and on that note, we will end today's episode. Thank you so much, Mom, for being on this episode with oh, us. It's my pleasure. Absolutely, and thank you, Captain Ron, for being you and being hilarious and a stellar human and soul. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so thank you, audience, of course, for tuning in to this uh, amazing episode. And like, subscribe, comment on different topics that you would like Captain Ron and I to discuss on future episodes. Anybody that you would like to see also on this podcast with us please let me know um and uh this has been the unedited unfiltered pure and real advice aside from the one or two cuts that we made um <laughs> from the perspective of captain ron so thank you so much for tuning in to according to captain ron's record and we both love kayla too <laughs> i'm kayla marie Coates signing off captain ron signing Adios. off bye